Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Well, when we run out of things, sometimes that can cause a a crisis. Anybody run out of something on Thanksgiving Day, run out of an ingredient that you had to run out for? Nobody, okay, that's good. I was hoping for a story, but anyway, that's, that's okay. Anybody ever run out of gas? Probably a few, you don't have to raise your hand. But if you have ever run out of gas, then you, you know that can be a crisis. That probably is a crisis, no matter what you're headed to or what time of day it is or where it happens. I mean, that's just something that we, we don't want to have happen. What about running out of love? What about when your, your mate hurts you over and over and over and over again. And when you try to talk that through, there just seems to be no responsiveness from them. And, and, and your love, your romantic love, really starts to run dry. What about when a friend or a family member just, just shuts you out and you really have no idea why they've done that and you try to initiate conversation, try to work it out, and there's just this wall there. Some of you, teachers, some of you, employers, maybe you have a a student or an employee who is consistently disrespectful to you, and you try to return kindness to them, and it's just not changing anything. It's just not getting getting through. It's really easy in, in those moments. Well, I'll say this. I mean, usually the people who are hardest to love are the people who need love the most. But it's often the hardest to to love them and we get tired and we get weary and sometimes we feel like, what is the point? What is the use? So we just give up and, and move on. And yet, God's love for us is relentless. Even when we are shutting him out, even when we are being disrespectful for him. His love for us is relentless, and he calls us to love the same way that he is loving us. How do we do that? I mean, even if we wanted to love someone who is difficult to love, which oftentimes we don't even want to, how is it possible when we are feeling like we've run out of love, like we've run out of gas? We're going to explore that this morning. And if there's somebody in your life that you feel like you've run out of love for, then this message is especially for you. If you take a Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13, we are going to finish this series this morning uh, that we've called Perfect Love. We've been looking, and if you don't have a Bible with you, by the way, and you're in the room here, you can use one of those Bibles by your seats. It's on 10, page 1062. Um, This series, we've been looking at God's description of love, actually his correction for us about how we don't love well on on our own. 
And uh, I've gotten I've gotten some some fun feedback from people that they've they've gotten a lot out of this, maybe a little more than usual that people have gotten a lot out of this series. And I want to just point out to you before we get into this final section here today. I want to point out to you that really what we've done over the last several weeks is really just a Bible study, like a word study, like a deep dive on these these phrases here. We've just really unpacked them. And I want to encourage you that you can keep doing that on your own. I hope you'll keep doing that on your own. You can do a word search yourself in the English on any of these key words and then find like different passages in scripture where they're used. It gives you so much insight into what God's communicating on these topics. And I'll, I'll pass along one other thing for you in your personal study. I was listening to a podcast recently from Tim Keller and this just impacted me so much I just I have to pass it along. He was talking about meditation and what does meditation look like? And he... he uh, recounted three questions that Martin Luther used to ask when he's meditating on a scripture. So I just offer these to you. I've been practicing this in my own time with the Lord. But first, you, you just pick a verse, and it doesn't have to be a long passage. Often it's great to just pick a verse, kind of like we've been doing. We've just been dealing with very small chunks. So pick a verse and just look at what, what does it mean uh, think about that for a few moments. What, what is this saying? But then the three questions that you want to ask that take it from just a Bible study and understanding what the scripture says to how does this then bring transformation in my life? Here's the, the three questions. What, first of all, what can I praise God for because of this truth, whatever it is that, that I'm reading? What, what can I praise God for? And then what can I confess? What do I need to confess? In what way am I falling short of this or am I sinning in face of this? And then thirdly, what do I need to ask God for? So what can I praise God for? What do I need to confess? And then what do I need to ask God for? And so very appropriate for this whole study on love. We, we can praise God for his perfect love for us. We can confess that we fall way short of deserving it or showing it to people around us. And then, God, what, what do I need to ask you for? I need to ask you to fill me up with your love so that that is what overflows out of me to the people around me. So, there's a little study tip. That's not really what the message is on this morning. That's for free. All right. We're, we started this series on 1 Corinthians 13, talking about the indispensability of love. And so to recount that, we'll read the first three verses here. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. <laughs> what Paul's saying is here, you can be extraordinarily gifted and if you're not doing what you do with love, you're not accomplishing near as much as you might imagine that you are accomplishing. And so God clarifies for us what love looks like. What does it look like to do things with love? He goes on to describe that for us in verses four to eight. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. 
It is not arrogant or rude. Okay, if you're not convicted by now that you're not doing very well with this, then you're not reading this carefully enough. Remember, this is a correction for us. We don't do this well on, on our own. It does not, love does not insist on its own way. It's not selfish. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. This, this is not the kind of love we're used to. The kind of love we're used to is, oh, I just, I feel, I, I, I just love you so much because I feel loving towards you. And then when the feeling dries up, then we, we stop moving towards that person or we wall ourselves off. And th this description of proactive moving towards the other person, good for the other person love, really at my own expense, that's not our kind of love. Our kind of love is I, I love you as long as you're meeting my need. I, I want your love at, at your expense. But... This kind of love is agape love. God's kind of love is a love at his expense for us. I love what William Barclay says about this. He says, this kind of love is not in response to the one loved, but is a reflection of the one loving. See, our kind of love is a response. As long as you're kind and lovable, if you have a high lovability factor, then I'll love you, but that's not God's kind of love. He doesn't love because of anything in us. He loves because of who he is. And so it starts with God. God is love, and we love because he first loved us. And then as God conforms us to the image of Christ, we begin to love the people around us out of who we are becoming. That's how love Works. So we've worked really slowly through this description, starting in, in verse four. Um, if you've missed any or all of those, you can catch up with those. You can listen to them online. Today, we come to the last section here, verse seven. Five, five statements about love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So I want to boil down those five phrases into to one phrase, and then we're going to unpack each one of them briefly. The boil down is that God's kind of love is inexhaustible, inexhaustible. We, we started this series with the indispensability of love. We're ending with the inexhaustibility of love. And I love those two words because they both have seven syllables. They're really long words. And they need to be because we're trying to describe a love that's really indescribable, that we really can't wrap our heads fully around. But God's love is inexhaustible. And so Paul ends his description of love with this kind of rhetorical, almost poetic description, this flourish here that is meant to stir us and stir our affections and stir us to, to think, man, God, your love is so amazing. Today, there, we can view 
this whole description of love from three angles. And we've touched on this as we've gone through here. We can, we can look at it from the point of view of God's love for us. And the way we do that is as we read through this, we just substitute God for love. Because if God is love, then God is patient and kind. God does not envy or boast and so on. So we can look at God's love for us. And we can look at our love for God. And then we can look at our love for others. Today, I want to focus as we go through this on God's love for us because he's the only one that does it right all the time consistently. And as we look at all five of these verbs, I want to just point out that these five verbs are in the active tense. So they're ongoing, they're happening, they're constantly happening, always active. So I want to rephrase each one of these five phrases to capture that idea. The first one being, love is always bearing. So love is, verse seven, love is always bearing. There's two senses of this this Greek word, and both of them apply here. The first is that love bears all things. It's that uh, love puts up with annoyances, (laughs) So when the other, when the recipient of love is annoying, you love them anyway, you put up with it. So that's why the English Standard Version, the New King James Version translates this, love bears all things. But the other sense of this Greek word is that love covers over what is displeasing. And so that's why the NIV translates it, love always protects. So when somebody is doing something that is displeasing, that is out of sync with what God would want them to do, then instead of trumpeting that or blowing it up or rehearsing it to them, you're, you're covering it over. You're protecting. So God, both of these apply in God's love for us. God puts up with us. He bears with us even when we're annoying. I, I hope that you're self-aware enough to know that you are sometimes annoying I annoy myself sometimes. So if that's not happening for you, I think it's probably, you know, you're probably just not aware of it. Maybe you need somebody to help point that out for you. But God puts up with us, deals with us, even in the midst of our annoyances, and God covers over what is most displeasing with us, in us. And I'm so thankful for that. We're in this season of thanksgiving we looked at this verse a few weeks ago, Romans 4. Blessed are those who law, whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. God covers over our, our sin. He's not rehearsing it. He's not keeping a record of wrongs. He's covering over it. Next year, 2023, we are gonna, we're gonna work our way through the book of Romans and we're gonna spend a lot of time, it's gonna be so much fun, exploring this whole idea of how God loves us so much and his grace is so great that he covers over our sins so that we can live a new life. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a fun study. All right, love is always bearing. Secondly, love is always believing. The Greek word here is often translated believe or to to trust. And so love is always trusting, always believing. This this does not mean that God is gullible, okay? This does not mean that God is tricked by your attempts to make yourself look better than you are. 
Okay, that's not what this means. We know that because Hebrews 4.13 says, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This is the good news of the gospel, is that God knows every piece of you that you are ashamed of and that you want to hide. He sees that, and because of the blood of Christ, he washes over it and, and cleanses you from it. You don't need to hide the, the ugliness of your life. In fact, we need to bring it out into the light so God can wash it away and, and get rid of it. So God sees it all. God's not gullible. You're not pulling anything over on him. When this says love is always believing anything that you say, love is not believing in the sense of gullibility, but it's believing in the sense of believing the best in others. Of, of giving the benefit of the doubt. When we give the benefit of the doubt, when we believe the best in others, we call the best out of them. Bruce Wilkinson tells this fantastic story. Bruce Wilkinson is the one that, that started uh, Walk Through the Bible. We did that several years ago. Bruce Wilkinson said the first year that he was teaching in a Bible college, had this great story. He said he was assigned to teach sections one, two, and three of Bible study methods. And he was walking down the sidewalk at the beginning of the semester, and another professor came to him and said, man, I can't believe that you as a rookie prof got assigned section two. Do you know about section two? And he was like, what's, what's section two? What, is that? What, what does that mean? And he said, section two is like all the honor students from high school. This is like the cream of the crop. He said, it is so much fun. He said, I had a chance to teach that one time. He said, they keep you on your toes. They're going to ask you these insightful questions. They're going to write these amazing papers. He said, man, I just, I can't believe the luck that you got assigned this. And so he was like, wow, that's pretty cool. So the first day of classes, he had section one come in and, you know, they were fine. And, you know, they're all coming. They're wanting to study the Bible. It's good. But then section two came in and he was like, man, I could just feel it. It was like electricity. It was like, just, man, it was awesome. And then section three came in, and it's like, okay, they're, they're okay. And then he said, as the semester progressed, he just saw it. I mean, it was, there was just something special about this group of section two. And, and so halfway through the semester, his dean called him in and said, Bruce, how are you, how are you liking your new job? How's the year going? And he said, oh, it's, it's great. He said, I'm having so much fun. And he said, section two, they are so amazing. And the dean said, well, tell me about that. And so he was like, tell him, yeah, I mean, they just write these amazing papers and they're asking these great questions. And the dean listened to all of this. And at the end, he said, you know what, Bruce? Actually, we discontinued section two. We didn't do that this year. We, we took all the honor students and we spread them across all of the, the classes because we thought that would make for a better educational environment. And he was like, he, he thought that the dean was trying to pull one over on him. So he called the registrar and they said, yeah, we, we didn't do that this year. And he said it was like this lightning bolt of realization that there wasn't any difference at all in any of these kids from one section to another. The difference was him and his expectation of them. Wow, what if we grabbed hold of that with our kids? What if we grabbed hold of that with our employees, with our students, whoever you're, you're dealing with? Love is always believing. Love believes the best, and it calls out the best in others. The third thing love does is love is always hoping. 
Um, we, we heard this earlier as we were talking about the Advent candle. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It's not, boy, I sure hope we don't get much snow this year. I mean, that's wishful thinking. Biblical hope is confidence based on God's promises. It is the expectant hope that God is going to deliver what he has, has promised for us. And God's expectant and confident hope as it relates to you, remember we're, we're applying, we're thinking this morning about God's love for us. God's expectant and confident hope as it relates to you is that you will be completed in your holiness, in your righteousness, that one day you will completely put off all of the, the sin that drags you down, entangles you. God's expectant hope is that you will become fully made new, made complete in holiness and obedience and love. But listen to, to this. This is from the beginning of this letter that we're reading in First, First Corinthians. First Corinthians 1, Paul says this to the Corinthians. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the beginning of the letter to the Corinthians. And if you've been listening at all over the last several weeks, if you've been with us, I mean, the Corinthians were messed up. I mean, they, they were doing a lot of really junky, trashy stuff. And for him to start his letter with this statement of confidence, not in their goodness at all, not in what they had going for him, but his confidence in what God was going to finish and accomplish in their lives. If, if Paul could be confident that they were gonna once day stand guiltless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, you and I can be encouraged in our shortcomings and our failures that God is not giving up on us as well. Love is always hoping. Fourthly, love is always enduring. It's always hanging in there despite trouble and, and difficulty. Imagine how much difficulty you and I present to God in our relationship with him. I mean, the, the stubbornness, the the faithless decisions at times, the dumb things that we say that hurt other people. Imagine the, the difficulties we are presenting to him, and yet love is always enduring. God loves us in spite of and beyond all of those things. Romans 8 reassures us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword Paul says, I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's kind of love is inexhaustible. Aren't you glad? The fifth and final phrase, verse eight, love is never ending. The positive way to say that is love is eternal. 
I just want to point something out. Uh, this passage presents love in the context of the present. Love is always present. I had a, a friend years ago who challenged me in this area of being fully present with the people you're with. I mean, how often, I, this is true for me, I don't know if it's true for you, it's so, so easy to be distracted when you're sitting physically across from someone or sitting around the Thanksgiving table or whatever it is, and to be distracted by mistakes I've made in the past or worries that I have about the future. And, I, and then I'm robbed of the present, and this friend just challenged me in this, like, just wherever you are, be fully there. And that's kind of the picture that we have here of, of love. God is love. Not God was love or he will be love. He is consistently and always, he is love. Spiritual gifts, as important as they are, they, they will cease. That's what we see as we read through the, the, the rest of 1 Corinthians 13. It's brief. Let, let's read that. Verse 8, love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Those are all important things for us in these days. Understanding the prophecies of the past, um, be, being able to, to speak in a way that other people can understand, knowledge, these are all important. Verse 9, for we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And this is a familiar verse uh, to end, 13, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. If we look at these three Key, key elements of, of, uh, of our faith that Paul highlights, faith, hope, and love. Faith, in a sense, is past-oriented in, in the sense that we are looking back to promises that God has made and kept, and so we know that we can trust his promises, we can have faith in his promises going into the future. Hope is future-oriented, it's, it's looking at what God has promised, the confidence that we have that God's going to do what he has said that he will do. But love is present. Love is always present. And God is always present. He was, he is, he always will be. His love was and is and always will be. And so his love is always bearing, always believing, always hoping, always enduring, God's kind of love is inexhaustible. So all of this applies to God's love for us. It also applies to our love for God. So we could look at each one of these and say, well, love bears all. Love puts up with annoyances. Have you ever been, please don't raise your hand on this, have you ever been annoyed with God because he doesn't operate on your timetable or according to what you think would be best? Okay, so yeah, we sometimes, if we're honest, get annoyed with God, which I will just very carefully point out that sometimes the things that you're annoyed about in other people really don't have so much to do about the, with the other people as it do with you. 
and what annoys you. So um, love bears all, love believes all. Love always, when, in our love with God, we should always believe, always trust what God has said. Believe that he has the best intentions for us. And we could keep going through, through the list. And this is a good time to, to keep going. So we're finishing our study together in 1 Corinthians 13, but you don't have to finish your study on your own to root this down deep in your heart. And so you can study this passage, remember, in th- three ways. You can meditate on it using Martin Luther's uh, three words, uh, three questions, um, three ways. God's love for you. God is patient. God is kind. Your love for God. God, help me love you as you deserve. And then your love for others. And I I think it was Daryl that shared this when when he spoke a few weeks ago, the idea of putting your name in here. Dave is patient and kind. Dave does not envy or boast. So that's not currently the case, but it casts a vision for me of what I want to be like and what I pray, God, you would help me live into. God's kind of love is inexhaustible. I I think we could all agree that the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is something that the world desperately needs to see more of. The, The world doesn't encounter this kind of love very, very often. And so wouldn't it be great if the church, if if our church became an an army of people who are loving more and more all the time, like Jesus loved? In order to do that, we have to go into training. We have to go into studying, reflecting on God's love, God's perfect love for us so that we can learn how to do that for the people around us and become part of that army of love. Would you join me? Father, thank you for your perfect love for us. It is unsurpassed. It is, uh, it, it's beyond our comprehension. As, as Paul said uh, in Ephesians, to the Ephesian church, he said, um, may you know this love that surpasses knowledge and so, Lord, that, that kind of casts a vision out there for us to pursue a, a deepening of our understanding and experience of, of your love. Lord, I pray that you would raise up an army of people who love like Jesus from this room, from those who are watching online, because the world desperately needs not, not more selfish, self-centered kind of love, but more love like you demonstrate for us, a love that is good for us at your expense. Lord, may we be willing to love others for their good at our expense. And we pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.